0: Good to see you all. We're going to be in the book of Philippians, a New Testament book, Philippians chapter three. We're going to look at the same section we looked at at Good Friday, but this time we're going to talk about not suffering with Jesus, but knowing Jesus through his resurrection. So there's a couple of things I need you to do. If you have a Bible, try to find that. It'd be good for you to see the verses for yourselves so we're going to look at it, Philippians chapter 3 just for a few minutes. And we want to talk about knowing Jesus through his resurrection. We know that, that the whole story of Jesus, after he predicted his death and resurrection, he died as he said he would. And then three days later, he rose again as he said he would. And Jesus showed himself to many, many people. And what we're looking at in these few verses in Philippians chapter 3 is the Apostle Paul, in a sense, kind of saying how that truth has changed him. How the truth of who Jesus is has changed him. So, (laughs) let's read those verses. Philippians chapter 3, verses 11, I'm sorry, verses 7 through 11. Paul writes, For whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And Father, we pray that you would help us to understand and apply your word today, that we would celebrate that you're alive. And, and Lord Jesus, we pray that we would live We would live in the truth that you're alive. We would relate to you as our living God and Savior. Help us that we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, Amen. Well done. So if you remember from Friday, those of you who saw the message on Friday, and if you didn't see it, you can go back on YouTube and watch the message from Friday. You remember that we talked about how how Paul was longing to know Jesus himself. He wanted to know Christ himself. That was his desire. That Paul, when he writes about things that he had lost, he's talking about these religious works that he had been doing. He had had been like the best Jew you could be. You can read about that a couple verses ahead uh, 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 in front of this uh, passage in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 3. He wanted to be the best Jew he could be. He really was zealous to follow after God. He was really committed to follow after God, but he was doing so based on something that wasn't true. He he didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was until Jesus interrupted his life and got his attention. And when Jesus got his attention, Jesus made sure that Paul knew who he was that was getting his attention. So Jesus didn't just kind of, uh, Paul didn't just get convinced one day that, that okay, maybe Jesus is God's chosen king. It, was, it wasn't just like he kind of thought about it and thought, well, that makes sense. People do come to faith that way all the time. But that's not what happened to Paul. What happened to Paul was he was against Jesus. He, he was against those who followed Jesus. And then Jesus, the living Jesus, showed up and literally knocked him off his horse. And when he's blinded by this light, he hears this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's scared, and he says, well, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Jesus showed himself to Paul. And so Paul didn't want to just know Christianity as an idea or as a group of truths to believe. Paul wanted to know Jesus himself, Christ Himself, And so as we talked about Friday, he was willing to suffer whatever he needed to suffer. He was willing to share in any of the kind of shame or suffering that Jesus shared in just so that he could know Jesus. That's what he wanted. But he also said he wanted to know Jesus because he he wanted to know the power of his resurrection. He wanted to know... (coughs) how the fact that Jesus was alive, how God made Jesus alive, how that was meant to impact his life, to actually change his life. And it starts by just this reality of a relationship. In verse 8, we see really clearly that Jesus, or that Paul, valued Jesus as his living king. He says, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, notice he says, my Lord. That's important. He doesn't just say Jesus the Lord. Paul said that lots of times. He wrote that lots of times throughout all the New Testament books that he wrote. But he said Jesus Christ my Lord. Paul saw Jesus as his only Savior. In fact, it was the fact that that when he calls Jesus the Christ, Christ isn't Jesus' last name, in case you didn't know. Christ is his title or his position. Christ means anointed one, or it refers to Jesus being God's chosen king. And so Paul is saying that that having Jesus as the ruler of his whole life, having Jesus in control of his whole life, that motivates him, as it says in verse 8, to suffer the loss of all things. He would give up anything to make sure that Jesus still was in charge of his life. Think about this for a second. Mom and dads, think about this for a second, okay? We don't like people telling us what to do. Kids, we don't like people telling us what to do either, do we? We, The idea of someone ruling over us isn't attractive by itself. And you know why it's not that attractive? Because almost, well, everyone who's ever ruled over us, except Jesus, hasn't done a perfect job. Sometimes they've done pretty good. Sometimes they've done really good, but never perfect. Usually they do not so good. And so the idea of someone being over us is like, ah, I don't want this. I don't know if I trust anybody being over me. But what we see in Jesus is someone who's proven himself to be worthy, to be trusted, to rule over us. And Paul says, this is what I want to know. I want to know in my life, in my real day-to-day experience, what it's like to have Jesus rule over me because he's alive He didn't just kind of leave us with some ideas to follow. He's really alive. Now, this is a lot like other people in the scriptures. Paul's not alone in this. We see in the Old Testament, like David, who was convinced that God was worthy to rule over his life. Here's what it says. Oh, God, my God, David writes, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You see, this is what we see with David. David knew that God had complete authority over his life and he could do whatever he wanted with his life and he still knew this God was good and he wanted to know this God as the ruler over his life. We see the same thing with Thomas. You guys remember Thomas? We we call him Doubting Thomas. Thomas who, who didn't want to believe that Jesus was alive until Jesus showed up and said, put your fingers in my side and in my hands and then he does that and what happens? When Thomas... It is finally convinced that Jesus is alive, he says, my Lord and my God. You see, this is really important because one of the things that we, we, you need to understand about the res- resurrection, one of the things that's really important for us to understand about what we mean when we say Christianity. Christianity isn't really an it. It's not just a way to think about the world. It's not just a religion. Christianity is a hymn. H I M. It's about him, Jesus. It's about a living God who has the right to rule over our lives, who can be trusted to rule over our lives, and we know he can be trusted because even when we crucified him, he rose from the dead. Now, if we jump down to verse 10, this is where we get to the section I really wanted to talk about. It's where Paul says that I may know all these things he's talking about, about wanting to just only be found right with God by what Jesus has done, all these things about I want to, I'm willing to, to put aside anything to lose anything to let Jesus be in control of my life. All this he says it's for this reason, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, when Paul writes this, it's, 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 it's in a certain tense. It's not like he's just saying, you could, he could say he was saying that I might keep knowing him or continue to know him. Paul's, in a sense, saying, I, I know this Jesus and I want to keep knowing I'm, I'm close to this Jesus and I want to get closer to him even still. And I want to do that through the power of the resurrection. Why? Because Paul knew, listen, Paul had experienced the power of Jesus' resurrection. How did he experience it? Well, there's three kinds of ways we can describe the power of Jesus' resurrection the power that rose from the dead, and the power that comes from him who is the resurrected one. First, listen, it's a justifying power. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, Christ was delivered up for our our trespasses, that's our sins, and he was raised for our justification. Justification is a big word. Can any of you kids say justification? Justification. Wow, you say it better than I do. Well done. It means this. Justification means... That you've been declared innocent. That God looks at you and he says, I declare, I'm the judge and I declare you innocent. Which is crazy because we all know we do stuff against God. And he should say, you're guilty. He even wants us to understand that we're guilty. Yet because Jesus died for our sins and then rose from the dead, God forgives our sins and because Jesus is alive and will remain live, alive forever, God can look at us and say, because of Jesus, I declare you innocent. That's power. That's amazing. We, we think of the power of, of, of a judge or a magistrate. and We go to the court because we've done something wrong. I remember the first time I got a speeding ticket in Great Britain. I said, first time, yes, there's been many. And I had only had my British license for a matter of months. And so if you get a speeding ticket, whoop, you lose your license. And I needed my license, because I needed to drive for work. And I had to go before the magistrates, and I was so nervous, I didn't know what I was supposed to call them. There was your honors. I didn't know what to do. I was just really, uh. Ah. And basically all I could do was say, I am guilty, and I'm begging you to still let me keep your my license. And they looked at me and they heard my accent and they laughed at me. And, but you know what they did? Because they had the authority to do it. They said, innocent, you keep your license. Now that was just a little thing. What about with all the bad thoughts we have every day and all the bad things we've done uh, for, for our whole lives and we're even going to keep doing? All those things that mean God should say we're guilty. Instead, what does God choose to do? He chooses to say, you're justified because Jesus is alive. So it's a justifying power. Also, here's another big word. It's a transformative power. Transformative. How many of you kids can say transformative? Man, you guys are just like geniuses. That's really good. Transformative is, again, it's just a big word that means it it changes us. It makes us better. It makes us who we're supposed to be. Listen to this. The Bible says in the book of Romans, Christ was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is what brought Jesus from death to life physically. And guess what? It's the Holy Spirit that changes us from the inside out spiritually and physically. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Jesus as we are changed into his glorious image. Who's doing that work? Jesus is by his Spirit. You know why? He's alive. And the power of his resurrection is a transformative power. Who wants to say the big word again? Transformative. You know, I don't see a single, I don't hear a single adult saying it. Transformative. There you go. Help your kids out a little bit. Come on. It's a great word. Now, it's also, listen, a personal and present power. And, he, and here's what I mean by this. Jesus says in John chapter 11, and Jesus said this, listen, he said this right before he rose. Someone from, he raised somebody else from the dead, a dead person, Lazarus. Jesus raised him from the dead right before he raises him from the dead. Here's what he says: Jesus says to Lazarus's sister, "I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live." That's what he said. But you know what else he says? Jesus also said that one of the last things Jesus said. After he was risen from the dead, right before he ascended to heaven to sit next to the Father forever, here's what he says. He says this to the disciples, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when we talk about the power of the resurrection, we're talking about a present power, a personal power. We're talking about the person of Jesus who dwells in us by the Holy Spirit, who's always with us. Amen? So sad. Isn't it sad, Kelly? Sad. Amen? Amen? Yes, it's Easter. He's alive. He's with us. He's with us. That's the power of the resurrection. Now, there's something more to this, and I'm going to finish with this last verse in verse 11. What's more to this is the fact that <coughs> Paul says, he, he, wants to be, uh, <clears throat> he wants to know Christ by the, and the power of his resurrection, verse 10, he want, that he may share in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. Then he says, look at verse 11, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now what Paul's talking about there is not Jesus' resurrection from the dead, that's already happened, it's done forever, but one day every single one of us is going to be resurrected from the dead. We, we, we kind of don't like to think about dying, do we? It's, this year has been very sad. So many people have died. It's been very sad. We don't like to think about dying because dying is a sad thing. But because Jesus is alive, we can have hope. We can have hope that even when we die, he can resurrect us. And everyone's going to be resurrected. What Paul's talking about here, though, he's looking forward to being resurrected to life, the same life that Jesus has. He's looking forward to that. He's, he's looking forward to his own resurrection. Now, he said, notice, listen, he said, by any means possible. Now, Paul is not saying, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to raise myself from the dead. Only Jesus could do that. <laughs> he, 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 he's not saying that. This is not about self-reliance. This is about him making a real commitment and Earnest commitment. Can you guys say the word earnest? Honest. Earnest. It's someone's name as well, isn't it? Some people are called earnest. Might be a nice name for some babies in the future. Just saying. Earnest. Earnest means, earnest means like you're really, you're really serious and you're really committed and you're like, I really want to do this. Right? so like, say, say you decide, you're thinking, I think I want to play football. So you tell your dad, dad or mom, I want to play football. And so you say, okay, are you sure you really want to play? It's hard to play football. You might get knocked down, and, you know, it's, you're going to have to learn to kick the ball straight. Pastor John still can't pick, kick the ball straight after all these years, so are you sure you want to do this? And you know, I really want to do it. You would, if you really wanted to do it, you would be earnest. Okay? Paul, when he says, by any means possible... By uh, all means possible. He's saying, listen, I am earnest about this. I really want this. I want my resurrection because I'm so sure of Jesus' resurrection. I want this more than anything else. And this is how Paul lived his whole life. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. I, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. In other words, Paul says, I'm going to live my life with earnest. I'm going to make sure that I'm committed to following Jesus because I want bef- more than anything else that resurrection of life that he has. But also it's important we know this is not him doubting. Paul's not self-doubting like, gosh, I, I, gee, maybe I'll make it. I wish I'll make it. I kind of hope to make it. There's no self-doubt when he says this. We know this because earlier he he knew he was already right with God. This is Paul, listen, having a sober expectation. In other words, part of being earnest, listen, is you know something's going to be hard, therefore you're prepared to keep going. Because here's what Paul wrote somewhere else in Romans chapter 8. Listen, I'm almost done. You're doing so good. Paul wrote... For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And what Paul means by that is when we come to choose to follow Jesus, God's spirit it comes to live inside us and dwells with our inner person, our spirit, and affirms to us, yes, you're my child. Okay? But also, listen... And since we are children, we are his heirs. That means we get to inherit everything that's his with Jesus. He says, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs for God's, of God's glory. But if, any, uh, if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. This is what we talked about on Friday. You see, it's hard, it's hard to follow Jesus. Because Jesus always did what the Father wanted him to do. And people didn't like him for it. Even though Jesus was so good and so loving and he helped so many people and he never lied and he never hurt anybody, at least not on, at least not in a malicious way, in a bad way, because he was this perfect man, people hated him. And so they crucified him. But he didn't stay dead. You see, what Paul's saying is, look, I know it's going to be hard to follow Jesus, but I so want, and I'm so sure that because Jesus is alive, I'm going to be alive, that I want to go for it. I want to follow after Jesus. I want to walk with God by the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. This is what makes Easter so amazing. We don't serve a God who died We don't serve a bunch of ancient ideas. We serve and follow the living Savior, Jesus Christ. He's alive today as much as he's ever been alive. That's worth our whole lives in return. Amen? Amen. Kids, amen? Amen. Well done. Well done. Father, we thank you so much uh, for sending Jesus God, we we know you're real, uh, just even by your creation. But Lord, we're convinced you're good because of Jesus. We're convinced, Lord, that you are trustworthy. Uh, Lord, that you are holy, that you are powerful, that you are able and willing to do all that you've promised to do. So we pray, Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to keep following after you. Lord Jesus, we want to know you more. We want to know you more, Lord. No matter what it costs, we want to know you more. And Father, I pray for anyone who's watching today or anyone who's here today that doesn't know you, Lord, would they come to know you? Would you do for them what you did for the Apostle Paul? Would you interrupt them as you interrupt Saul's life and show them that they need you? Lord, help us to have a great day today celebrating. Thank you for beautiful weather. Yeah, I pray that you would be pleased with the rest of our day, the faith that we show. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to know how much you love us today. Please, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says... Amen. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Have a great resurrection day.